We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers continued their string of losses with a few very embarrassing ones mixed in between, of which last night was one of them. Now, D, there is a, a rightful, like, this team just isn't very good, which is true. There's also a level beyond that where they really stop trying. And when they really, when the other team gets something going, the give up kicks in very quickly. And this is something you've been talking about, about belief and about how belief can and will erode more and more the less success you experience in doing what you're trying to to do. And so that third quarter last night, man, like, I don't know. I, w- I want to start there. Just this idea, like, I know this team is, especially without AD, is a bad team, but stuff like that is unacceptable. And we have this pod, I think, twice a week now, and it's it's getting more and more frequent. And that needs to be addressed before any of the lineups and schemes and all that. Yeah, y- you had reached out and said, like, hey, what are we going to do on a pod when the right. team keeps losing? <laughs> and... Every loss is not the same way. So I, I'll have a piece coming out on Silver Screen and Roll at some point today. Good teams can win in a myriad of ways and bad teams can lose in a myriad of ways. And it's like getting lost in the details of that. We're a details-oriented pod, I feel like. And so we often talk about the schemes and and the X's and O's and the rotations and this player played this and like, look at the plus minus here and like, oh, these lineup rotations and these groupings and yeah, and great. All that stuff matters, of course. And it all sort of piles on top of each other in order to get to, to results. But what we're seeing now with this team, Mike, is that that erosion of belief, there's belief in the moment. And then that belief gets snatched from them fairly quickly when things start to turn against them. And I think there's a lot of factors for that. One of it is that AD is injured. And not having all of your guys there sort of depletes you in like as much from a physical standpoint as a mental 
standpoint, like knowing that your margin for error is slimmer. I also think that there's a compounding effect of what the long-term and big picture goals for this team were before the season started versus the position that they're in now and how that sort of barrage has has sort of inflicted on them some some like some sort of sense that like we're nowhere close to where we need to go it, it's like I decided I was going to run a little bit farther over the weekend this this past weekend. And I decided, oh, you know, like instead of my normal like two and a half or three miles, I'm going to run four miles today. So it's just like, oh, I'm running. I'm running. And I was just like, oh, well, you know what? Like I'm starting to feel tired and it's only a mile and a half. It's like, okay, well, I'll just push, push through. I got to two miles. And so I'm now two miles from my home. And I'm like, okay. I want to stop <laughs> and, and I'm only halfway there and yeah. I wanted to stop. And I'm just like, uh, well, what am I going to do now? I honestly can't walk. If, if I walk the rest of the way, it, it's going to take me forever to get home. Like it's, it's going to be like an hour before I get, get home. That's not a part of my plan. I got stuff to do today. And so at some point I just turned it around in my own head. I turned my pace from whatever it was to much slower. And then I got home eventually but the prospects in that moment of how the hell am i going to get home from mm. from here and being so far away there was a mental hurdle that i had to sort of clear in in that moment now the lakers aren't two miles from home mike they're like a galaxy away at this point and home was where they thought they were going to get to which is like in the mix as a team that was going to compete for a championship. I, I, I think that's where they thought they were going to be. And they're nowhere near that right now. Instead, they were getting shellacked by a Clippers team that basically said, yeah, you know what? We're not going to miss. And so I think that there's a mental part of this too. And that sort of quit that they showed or that lack of resolve that's not a like, oh, well, that's just a one game thing. That's a cumulative thing to, well, to me. And I'm very interested in how they find their way out. But where are you at in terms of like, how do you see it? When you realized you didn't want to run further, how many miles away were you? From About your two spot? miles. I, w yeah, I was so, literally almost two miles from, from my house. So that's where the Lakers were. But then they stepped in a big pile of poop, a big pile of dog poop. And it got you know something all, about that, Mike. <laughs> it got all over the shoes. And and then the decision starts to become, well, hold on. I mean, do I go look for some grass to try and get some of it off? Do I I don't have I don't have baby wipes around right now. See for so I happened to step in some dog poop this morning. Literally. And I, I was a little bit late coming here because we decided to walk today. A lot of times we drive to school. And it wasn't much, but it was on the side of the shoe. And I was pushing the rigs in the stroller. So I was like, oh, this is, it's not a big deal. There's probably a baby wipe in there. Look at, look underneath the stroller, no baby wipes. Then, okay, so I find some grass and I have to, my brother's in town. So I have to pause. I'm like, hold on, guys. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, hold on. This, this, this is important. <laughs> I, need to, I need to try to minimize this damage. Yes. And to get off myself for a second, but there has been, it's like not only has the poop been stepped in, but everybody else is just loving it. Everybody else is, <laughs> oh, is loving it. Of course. With yes. Lakers, yeah. 
Oh, look at that idiot. Look at Trudell. Oh, look at that poop on the side of the shoe. Like, it's just a, it's in the, like Frank Vogel gave this stat after the game. And I, I don't know if Pete could bring himself to rewatch that game, but what was it? What the Lakers were one for 14, I think on wide open threes and the Clippers were eight for nine. Now, to me, that seems a little bit selective. Like there were a couple more times I thought where either they had the more nine wide open threes, or the, yeah. yeah, or the Lakers yeah. weren't. But nonetheless, like you know how they can define that, right? By three feet or by five feet or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the range that they used, uh, and there are metrics for this. Sorry, it was one for sixteen on open threes versus eight for nine. And I, I think it's basically worthless to even break down that specific game uh, because this is this has now been the what x amount of time that it's happened right. in the last several weeks and. It's also difficult. We've tried to do the what happens from here with the 20 games that are left, many of them on the actual road, which this was technically a road game. But it just got me thinking about uh, that uh, that dog poop incident that I had. And the I was able, fortunately, to get it off with no with no effect. And so maybe that re- represents the small amount of, of hope uh, that, <laughs> that it somehow represents AD returning at a certain point. You know, uh, it's and then it and then all of this stuff going right back to being on him, like he was getting blamed early in the season where AD cleaned up a lot of the stuff defensively that we saw be a problem last night that we've seen be a problem. But still, it's it's getting a every time we talk about this, it gets harder. Well, that's for sure. (laughs) But I think that the stepping in the dog poop, like. I don't think it's waiting for AD to return because that's like waiting for somebody to come by and clean the dog poop off your shoe. And no matter how bad the circumstances are, like I'm two miles away from home and I stepped in dog poop and I don't have any baby wipes. It's like, well, what's the best option I have right now? And you found some grass. And the point is that we always always have agency and we always have something that we have control over. Now, it might not be the that home that you were talking about D and that like, we're going to get to this certain place, but you can't do that without taking those individual steps. And that is, I've felt like the injuries have been harmful mentally in ways that we haven't discussed in that, like, just wait till AD gets back. Just wait till we're healthy earlier in the year. And you end up devaluing today and not reviewing what you have control over right now. And that's my biggest uh, complaint is with, with this team is that like, look, I understand the the roster and the situation with AD being down and that we have certain limitations where it's like, ah, not going to be able to do much about that. But what I want to see are things that I've seen this exact group of players do before the mistakes they're making, like don't tag the rim runner in transition defense. Transition defense is really like the center of my complaints in that, like, these are all things you're all NBA players. You can run back, you can stop the ball, you can tag the rim runner. These are all very simple things that your coach shouldn't need to tell you to do that you have control over no matter who is in the game. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the importance of leadership within these types of circumstances. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One thing that's really stood out to me, D is LeBron's lack of effort on the boards, on defense, on all of the little things that come with being a good team, and especially with Anthony Davis out. Now, I don't want to act like I expect him to be this two-way monster that's playing 37 minutes per game uh, at, at this portion of his career. But I do think, and something that we've touched on several times, is that the team, especially on defense, really follows LeBron's lead. And if he's not in that, like, I'm really going to bring it type of mode, then they're going to follow him. And until he locks in on that end of the floor and really wants to commit to that, I don't see a way out of here. I feel like we need his leadership right now to be able to just get back on track in that in that way. And I'm not sure if he's going to go out of his way to put his body under the, the stress that needs to be to, to do that. But I do think a certain level of focus, no matter no matter that is uh, is necessary. Yeah, this is where it gets tricky for me with LeBron because what you're asking isn't unreasonable. It's also. So I'm going to step away for a second. There's a phrase that like my wife is used at her school a fair amount when you've been teaching a long, hard day and a lot of things go wrong for you. Maybe, um, maybe, you've had some difficult interactions with kids or kids who are fighting, right? Maybe you got a a rough parent email, right? Maybe you had um, a weird exchange with a colleague or with your supervisor or whatever, right? Everyone has maybe, work situations. Maybe somebody microwave fish in the teacher's lounge. <laughs> maybe, right? Exactly, Mike. And, and everyone's had a bad day at work. And so I don't even want to limit it to my wife's school or whatever, but but she has used this phrase in the past, and I always thought it was a great way of describing things when someone does something that is particularly harmful to you, like maybe emotionally or impacts you negatively emotionally. Um, there's this phrase that they use called emptying my bucket, right? And you've emptied my bucket. And, it, and it's sort of a nice way of saying that, this, that it's just like, I'm... Like that hurt me. I'm I'm now depleted by this thing. And I see LeBron out there with a bit of an empty bucket. Right. And we we've talked about and this is the same analogy as like having a certain amount of frustration that is sort of at the top operating at well, well at the top. And, and it so it boils over very quickly. Right. Um. But it's it's the same idea where and this is where it gets tricky for me with LeBron in, in getting back to him. It's that idea of, no, it's not unreasonable to say, like, hey, man, like you're the best player. Like, 
there's things that need to happen on any given possession in order for us to be competitive, particularly defensively. And as the best guy and the guy who everyone is going to follow, we need some of that from you. LeBron is also 60,000 minutes into his NBA career. He is in his 19th season. He's been playing this game in the NBA half his life. And the idea that he needs to be the guy at this point to be like, yeah, well, I'm going to like not just set the example from uh, from like a leadership standpoint and be like, this is what we need to do and everything else. But I'm going to do all of these little things, too. Like, again, it's not the it's not unreasonable to ask that of of him. But I see him with a bit of an empty bucket because of Mm. all of these circumstances Mm -hmm. that we discussed in the first part of the pod and that bridge mike bridging those two things together i don't know where that bridge is going to be built from right and, and i need and that's the tricky part in terms of getting lebron there is how do you get that how do you bridge that gap and, and i the easiest thing to say is like we'll just go do it but the how is where i'm coming up like we'll, we'll how and, and it's it's I'm just trying to put myself in LeBron's shoes here. And that's where I'm struggling some because I want that from him too, Pete. I'm also understanding to a certain extent sure. of why it's not there. Me too. Mm-hmm. So I want to be empathetic to him, particularly because of who he is, what he's accomplished and where the team is now relative to where they were supposed to go. So first of all, how full is your bucket is a kid's book? which I think is part of this theory. And Darius, I don't know if it's a chicken egg thing. The teachers discussed it, and then somebody wrote a book about it. But we have that book. And I remember reading it to my kids, right, especially when they're being mean to each other to try to to get that across of like, hey, when you do this, right, you're taking something out of your brother's bucket, you know. And and here's how you and how do you fill that bucket, right? You do acts of kindness or you give compliments or you if you see that your mommy's having a tough day, you go pick something up. But to get this over to LeBron – I mean, we don't have it today. I think I could probably spend at least an hour just on this topic. But my my feeling on this, which, again, needs to be I now need to use my brain to kind of catch up with my feeling. But my feeling is that I am absolving LeBron in a way. And and I'm like, this is part of the reason this was part of the point of getting younger talent and more guys around and having a D step up and having Russell Westbrook, the idea of that coming in like. It's ridiculous to me to ask LeBron to continue to do what he's done throughout his career at this stage and with where his body is. And Pete, I know there's a difference between that and what you're asking for. So I'm not saying that your point, I'm not arguing with that point, but here's the flip side. Now you see LeBron out on the court and he looks physically like LeBron. And for many moments of the games, and in fact, sometimes for a whole game, he can still dominate and he can mentally Physically, like he he still he just looks so much like LeBron. But but then because of that, other players, I think, have a hard time stepping in and taking some of that load off because he's there. His presence is there. And whether he's on the court or he's on the bench, it's you cannot as somebody else and whether you're it's A.D. or Russell Westbrook or the coach, there's so much power there. And I saw some of this with Kobe as well, that. I don't know how to bridge that gap. And uh, and in the meantime, 
I think that's that's contributing to this. But the last thing that I'm going to do is is sort of put that on LeBron. I just I don't have a, a great answer to it. No, I think that's a great point in that those great players like LeBron and Kobe, this was very much a Kobe thing too, is they inspire a certain degree of deference in any particular yes. possession. That's, that's right? a great word to use. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Where it's like, let's DJ Augustine, for example, makes his debut last night and he was very tentative in where do I fit in to this whole thing? Because of course he is right. Like he just showed up, but that is, I think kind of an extreme example of the point that you're making in that it's like, well, I could go to work on this play or I have LeBron James standing next to me. And I think that that, especially on offense, this is a really interesting point, Mike, that I think this is that bridge that you were talking about, D, is I think that putting a little more attention into defense while subtracting some of the offensive burden that LeBron has, because that's like we scored six points in that third quarter to at least to start out. It was like 32 to six in ways where like I can understand why this particular group is bad on defense, but on offense, we should be able to score more than that. And I think part of that is exactly what you're talking about, Mike, that deference to LeBron. How many possessions do we see where they're all just kind of standing around? LeBron has the ball. The switches have been killing us, D, in that they, it really gets a stagnant we started out really, really well on the offensive end in that game because they weren't switching because they had zoo in the game. But that's one of the things that I've noticed is whenever teams switch against us, we just, uh, you know, end up freezing up. But I think that that that's probably the best answer, which is not necessarily a great answer. But how can those things be bridged is I think more attentiveness from LeBron on defense and on the boards and less of an offensive burden is a way to keep kind of his overall ask around so, the same so place you're you know? saying you want more defense and rebounding and stuff from lebron yes yeah and, more defense. And, and that to me is like like no you know you can't at this stage of his career like physically to ask lebron hey let other guys do more stuff on offense and you just kind of like clean things up in the back it's like that is just such a the opposite way you know with and not the, I, yeah go ahead there are a lot of possessions mike where he's just standing there he just watches right, because other people like I, I, I just want to see the accumulation of, of his legs over the course of 19 years. You know, like there was a two. That's the whole purpose of like real impactful two way stars is that you cannot exert that much energy and effort and focus on defense. If you have to carry the offense when you're nine years past your like age prime and, I, I'm we, not, we, and no one could have expected that before the start of the season, let alone here in March with a sore knee. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's continue this conversation. What I'm seeing is him literally stand there on a lot of plays. And what I'm asking for is, like, can you just shift over and and box this guy out? Or can you close out to that shooter? Or Again, I'm not asking. There's a version of LeBron defensively, D, that is still an absolute monster. And he's a stampede on his closeouts and he's flying around. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm seeing a lot of plays on on rewatches where he is just standing there and letting another, his opponent do something. And I think that I, I understand Mike's point, right? That asking him to be this two-way guy that's just dominating. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm just asking for really simple things that I do think that he can do even under under the circumstances. If I'm understanding correctly, it's more like be a solid link in the chain mm-hmm. rather than being the broken link in the chain. The Lakers have a lot of broken links in the chain already. 
Yes. And someone who is going to do the right thing. We need more of that, more on the court, more often. And if LeBron's going to be on the court, he can lead by doing that. This is where the frustrations about the overall season start to seep in for me as a fan and someone who is invested in the success of the team and wants to see the team do well is they're struggling in ways where they clearly no longer believe they have enough on certain possessions, right? And I think one of the things that that stands out to me about the team is when when things are going well, even when things are going well, And this is where LeBron's leadership matters the most, I think, Pete, is even when things are going well, if there's a mishap within the context of things going well, LeBron seems to then take that. That really injures him. You see him hang his head or throw his hands up in the air in like this real sense of frustration about something that happened. Yes. Well, it's because his bucket's already empty. Sure. So there was a play. And this happens at least once, once a game. And so it's, it's funny. It happened the other, it happened like a week ago where it looked like he started to strain like his abdomen air area again. The Lakers got a steal. LeBron races out. And then THT threw that pass and it like was like a skipping bounce pass and then it just skipped out of bounds. And LeBron instantly grabbed his abdomen and then he hung his head like at the same time. And it was just like, oh man, like WTF. Well, there was another one of those plays last game. Where Lakers got a steal, it's an open court chance, and LeBron basically busts his ass behind Malik Monk and like runs and starts to fill right lane up the right side sideline. Monk has the ball and he and, and he veers middle, and it's just like we're on a fast break. And LeBron is looking to get the ball at that point. He is not running that hard. Because he's KCP filling strong side corner. He is running that hard because he wants the damn ball. Right? Mm -hmm. Monk basically has his head down and is looking somewhere else up up the court. And I think the Lakers end up taking a three. They miss. They get the offensive rebound. And LeBron ends up getting the ball after the fact. And then he gets a dunk. But when LeBron did not get the ball on that initial play, he for reals hugged his head and threw his hands up. Like, what the F? was Mm -hmm. that and in getting back to lebron's leadership and what i want to see see more of there are plays like that every single game where you could just tell that his frustration has boiled over where you could tell that it's just like this isn't where these aren't the circumstances i want to be in and when you talk about agency the stuff you were talking about earlier in well in the pod that's the stuff that i feel like he needs to control better Mm. as Mm -hmm. much as the like make the extra play do the extra thing that you and mike can debate about and that's a real debate those are real questions because it's just like how much can he give what are the asks all of that well one thing i know that he can do is like all right let's let's leave that stuff out as much as we possibly can everyone's going to get frustrated to play based off of a thing that didn't go your way but when he closes out short on robert covington and Robert Covington hits a three, LeBron can't throw his arms up in frustration and look at the coaches and be like, well, I did what I was supposed to do. What the hell happened there? Why didn't you make him miss a three? Like, that's that's how that comes off. 
And that's the stuff I feel like that seeps into the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. Like, like, well, no, we're all frustrated now. Look at our leader. He's so frustrated. Now I'm frustrated, too. And Mm. that can sap that Mm. energy as well. So, LeBron, as you were, we were talking about, and I'm thinking about his minutes here. And it's now, if my math is right, 62,745 combined regular season and postseason. And he's, which means next game, he's going to pass Carl Malone for second all time on that little list. Wow. And of course, that just leaves Kareem. Number, uh, number three, or before LeBron climbed this list was Kobe. And Kobe played a combined 57,278 minutes. So I'm just trying to slow down for a second and, and really think about that 62,000 plus minutes on an NBA court and for this team to be to have any chance of being successful based on what the personnel is and based on the, the lack of forwards and the lack of bigs that can impact the game defensively what the Lakers would be sort of best suited as as LeBron in some ways and by the way not wrong about this like really being great defensively in the absence of Anthony Davis right now and giving mm-hmm. and closing out and tr- it is just a it's like a completely to me backwards way of of looking at, at what to, how to ask him what to do because even if he does those things he then is noticing the breaks in the chain on that side of the court whereas on offense if he has the ball even if it's an iso possession and they switch it he can still at least usually impact the possession all on his own to either create a shot for himself or for somebody else but the the breaks on the chain don't happen as much on offense. We we talk about that much more on on, on defense. I I disagree actually, and he even made comments about this last night about how like sometimes it's got to be your offense that that helps bring you together. That is a basis. I actually do think that our offense does have a lot of breaks in the chain, and that's part of why there is a a collective frustration. That, that's just my POV. Well. Uh, yeah, but okay. So traditionally I'm saying the phrase break in the chain. What do we use that for in the NBA? Defense, right? Cause that's yeah. a five man thing. Yeah. For sure. That's what I'm saying. More or less like a couple guys on the offense. One guy, one guy stands in the corner. The other guy stands in the other corner. Maybe some, somebody sets a screen, maybe somebody rolls or pops, but sure. Like guys can make mistakes there, but what's killing this team is the guys that are making the constant mistakes and don't understand the coverages and are doing this, that, and the other. And And that to me seems to be what, where part of this whole frustration in where LeBron is looking around and he's seeing without singling, singling out certain players, that to me is the, has been the larger problem that Frank Vogel has been trying to solve all year. And how do we get enough guys out there defensively? And, you know, it's not that the offense has been amazing, but the offense wasn't amazing when they won the title. They won the actual NBA championship, uh, basically playing through LeBron and AD. You know, so what's changed this year? Most of the A, the defensive personnel, B, the injuries around that. And then another year after 62,745 minutes of asking LeBron to do the little things on defense. One quick thing. This is where like trust comes into play, because I think LeBron trusts himself to make the right play on offense. And so he's going to. So he he understands, like Mike said, he can. He can influence the outcome of an offensive possession simply because he has the ball. When you're on defense, you actually do need all five guys. And mm-hmm. right. And and so the frustration level of when 
I do my job, but can I rely on you to do your job sort sort of thing? I think that has culminated in too many breakdowns. And LeBron, I think, is a part of that problem himself. So he will look at others and say, well, you didn't do your job there. But we could go to the film and say, oh, well, look at this. Where are you at in terms of low man responsibilities here? Or where are you at with your box out here? And so I think to bridge the the gap that might exist between what Mike is saying and and what is and what Pete is saying from an individual agency stand standpoint LeBron can be better within the own things that he's doing but he actually does need his teammates to like step up and do more too on that side of the floor and one of the things that we had talked about Pete like in the lead up to this pod beforehand a little bit was this idea of how do you get out of a hole the Lakers mm-hmm. are in a hole. Oh, yeah. They're in a hole mentally. They're in a hole physically. And it's showing up in the results in the game. Right. We should stop digging. Well, yes. Well, can I add a little point on to the to the, the defense thing? And by the way, Pete, you like how Darius likes to kind of slide in sometimes and pretend like he's in the middle of us. Like, oh, uh-huh, oh, uh-huh. look at yeah. look at yeah. extreme yeah. Mike the, and extreme Pete, yeah. but I'm just oh. that's right. I am constant neutral. Yes, <laughs> I mean the man in the middle, Mister Yes and No himself. Are you Swiss? Yes. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, yeah. Hey, side. I, this look. has been noted on my end too, Mike. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed I, this I, out. It's yeah. funny, Pete. I don't notice this neutrality in the group thread and the text thread. I, you? Right? Yeah. Ain't that funny? <laughs> Are we spilling tea on the pod, Mike? No, no, are we spilling tea? I'm just trying to lighten if it up. If we want to spill tea, we can. But I, I, but I think we're going to change the subject. A bit with big soup energy. I mean, that was, that hey, was man, spilling tea. The, <laughs> spilling soup is what it was. Here, let me let me get on track with, the, with one more defensive LeBron point, though. So, of course, he's making mistakes and not, not making close. But – it's like this is where it, the meritocracy part of the NBA. It's like, yeah, man, I played sixty-two thousand. Ma- I might not make every closeout. That's your damn job. That's why you're on the roster to certain X amount of guys. And I also do a lot more than you do on offense. And not that he's thinking. Not that that's the the way that you communicate a thought. But I'm. We had this conversation before the season started. I'm baking all that stuff in that you have to live with LeBron or anybody else that's played his level of NBA games, you know, you needing to pick some stuff up for him on that side of the court. That That's all. I, I think that should be understood. I don't disagree with any of that. I think that's spot on and it's not, nece- it's not fair at all, right? Relative to his experience and, and all of that. I'm saying that it's what needs to happen for us to get out of the hole that Darius is talking about and to stop digging is that more than anything, a mentally engaged LeBron on defense sends a message to all of his teammates that this is what we're doing tonight. And so you get a better version of even the bad defensive players, right? You get a better defensive version of Malik Monk. You get a better defensive version of Russell Westbrook. You get a better defensive version of everyone because their leader is in that mental space. And so I, I'm aware of how unfair what I'm asking is. I'm, but what I'm saying is that if, if we want to give ourselves a shot and maybe we don't, Maybe it's maybe it is a pack it in. Let's put up numbers, get closer to Kareem type of standpoint. And like, I could totally understand the argument for that. We've talked about this. But if we do want to turn things around, I think that we have a lot of players that do not have that internally motivated. I'm going to play defense tonight. And when they see LeBron in that mode, 
that's how we play. And and so I think to get out of the hole, we need our leaders to fair or unfair. And in fact, this is unfair, just like you said, but to, to say, hey, we need to pull ourselves out of it and get going. All right, y'all. Uh, I hope everybody has a good weekend. We'll be back on Monday here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bat next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Brian, 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 Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.